You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 234, Winds of Plague, hosted by Dan Terry. It's not that impressive, you know. I've, I've heard at the gates, too. I, I understand. And Joseph Wren. It's like, let's grind and be brutal and throw down in the pit and swing our arms around because that's supposed to be dancing, even though it's not. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you decimate the weekend with brutal riffs and pizza, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Discography Discussion. And it is about to get windy in here. So windy, so epic, so much fantasy. If you're hearing this band for the first time, you might say to yourself, this is a lot heavier than what I thought I was going to be listening to. I actually disagree with that. I I, I remember hearing Winds of Plague back in the day and thinking it was the heaviest band that I had ever heard in my entire life. Uh, and maybe it had been at the time. I mean, this is a long time ago. I mean, not that long, I guess like 11, 12 years. Uh, I was definitely listening to stuff like death metal, but this is, this is like... This is before the whole deathcore thing was like a household name. It was about to be, like a year later. But uh, Winds of Plague was one of those bands that was like, yeah, we like being heavy, but, you know, any band can be heavy. So why don't we throw in some of them, some of those wonderful fantasy epic keyboards into the mix and uh, see, what, uh, see what happens. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? It absolutely does. And let me be clear, when I say heavier than what you're expecting... I look at these records and say to myself, this is going to be power metal. This is going to have some Celtic instruments incorporated into the music. There might even be some elves dancing here and there. It's going to be frosty. But what I get is this bro-influenced, just beat the shit out of everyone at the fucking gig. And I'm into it. It's exactly what I was looking for this week, and it challenged a lot of the notions you get from looking at artwork like these albums have. It contradicts the vinyl experience if that is sitting down and looking at this album and dissecting every single piece of it. You're not going to get what you're expecting with this band, but what you do get is some of that heavy-as-shit, beat-down-feeling music that's got some fantasy elements in it, guys. Surprise. You're welcome. It has the fantasy <laughs> sound, that's for certain. I don't know about lyrically. This is a band that I honestly... It's not that I don't pay attention to lyrics or, or not, but I was just having such a good time, you know, slamming down with the riffs <laughs> and the keyboards. Absolutely. I kind of got lost in it. Yeah, I got lost in it. And I didn't really... Uh, it didn't It didn't feel to me like, uh, like I needed to necessarily know what they were talking about because... Uh, it was great, great, great music to listen to while playing Dynasty Warriors on PS2. Uh, Very nice, a hundred percent. Yes, it was. Uh, it was absolutely incredible, and and so I, I had a really, really good time uh, with Winds of Plague. I remember hearing them back whenever I was younger, and uh, you know, I I was actually at a college course where we were um, we were we were cutting our own videos together, as you guys can see. Uh, you know, I, I still need a little bit to go on that because. Uh, you know, with with these, uh, but we had to cut a video together, and we had to, and I was doing it on like Windows Vista or something like that. Uh, maybe it was Windows Seven, I can't remember, but I was probably using a Vista laptop. But I was trying to use Windows Movie Maker to cut a video together. Trust me, everybody, use DaVinci Resolve; it's way better. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say, 
you know, one of the assignment was basically to cut pictures of your life or to try, try to tell some sort of story. So most people did like an autobiographical kind of slideshow with pictures with music behind it. And uh, I thought that I was going to be the badass in the room. And I and I, I put my music as the betrayers by a plea for purging, you know, because I wanted it to be heavy. I wanted everybody to know what I was about. And so I threw you that song to make on there. Him say, oh, right. Yep, and then uh, the, this other student who couldn't have been more than three feet tall, very, very, very quiet. Uh, I don't think she spoke a word to anybody the entire time, but her video, well, the soundtrack was done by Winds of Plague. And uh, I was like, wow, so I am not the most metal person in the room right now. <laughs> uh, but that's uh, that's okay. You know, I, I can handle it. But I remember hearing that Winds of Plague song, and I don't remember specifically which one it was. Uh, but it was brutal. It had the breakdown. It had the death chord drop. You know, uh, it had the indistinguishable vocals. It was everything that you'd want out of a death chord song. So I've always been, I've always been interested in Winds of Plague, but I haven't been like a hundred percent familiar with everything that they do. And so I'm really glad that I've gotten myself familiar over the past couple of weeks. By the way, what's your favorite Dynasty Warriors game? Dynasty Warriors Two. Is it a superior game to Dynasty Warriors 5? I don't know. I haven't played 5. Is 5 your favorite? It's exactly the same game. <laughs> I was going to say that. I also, It's also worth n noting that I played uh, Hyrule Warriors on the Wii U. I know these are all old games because I'm an old person, but uh, you know the, the Hyrule Warriors game was Dynasty Warriors, except you're, you're Link, but it's the same game. Does it have the same death animation for the final boss of the level? I don't know drops to his knees i'm gonna get my revenge after i come back to life you know i want to say that he does drop to his knees in hyrule warriors <laughs> now that i think about it but uh you guys probably aren't here to hear us talk about video games we have a we have a whole other channel for that well before dan and i die lucky i'm gonna take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast thank you for listening and for subscribing if you are not a subscriber then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com we're on spotify Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, we do enjoy our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion. And the reason we enjoy them is they make me feel good. They make Joe feel good. And uh, we, we love them. And I, I want to share one with you guys uh, right now. So uh, I'm just going to pull this guy up right here. We got a five-star review uh, from the Super Sammy 67. Uh, Super Sammy says, amazing. Thanks for sharing great content. Please do a flot overkill and blindside episode the attention to detail and intricate knowledge is great to hear thank you i wouldn't necessarily say it's intricate knowledge but uh we we've been listening to metal for a couple of minutes uh so we get through it uh but you know one of the one of the recommendations that you gave us was blindside and uh i've got great news for you we actually already have a blindside episode uh that we did uh i don't remember exactly what year it was it was a couple of years ago now but if you uh if you go to discussmetal.com and you search for blindside it will come up we talked about every record and blindside unfortunately has been rather inactive lately so they haven't really put anything out um but that's all right uh that that makes the uh episode far more timeless also uh, you know, overkill you don't have to ask me twice 
we have been we have been jumping into our thrash quite a bit lately and even uh, <laughs> even dipping into some other stuff that you know i, I wasn't as comfortable with <coughs> def leopard but uh you know here we are uh, but yeah overkill yeah we that that's happening i don't think i don't think that's anything we have to even push back too far we can we can make overkill happen anytime we want are you ready are you ready so dan tell me about winds of plague I thought you were never going to ask. I did hold Winds off of on plague. it for a bit. What's that? I did hold off on it for a bit. You did. I thought <laughs> I, I, was, I was sitting there. I was sitting there sweating with anticipation, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that we brought it up. So, Winds of Plague is a band from California. Uh, most of the internet describes them as a heavy metal band, but uh, I'm going to be the genre police here for a minute and say that uh, Winds of Plague is. Most definitely a, a deathcore band at its base. Uh, they're they're definitely more deathcore overall than they are anything else. But I think what separates a band like Winds of Plague from say like a Whitechapel uh, or an Impending Doom w would be they are obsessed with melody. Whenever I say melody, I don't mean they're like a melodic band. I mean like they're like obsessed with like intricate guitar melodies at least on some albums but the biggest melody maker in this band is the keyboard this is a deathcore band that takes their keyboarding very very seriously uh these guys have been around since 2002 if you can believe that uh and it took them uh, it took them quite a while uh before they got their first record out in 2008 and uh to plague is a band that i think a lot of people have a lot of respect for a band that a lot of people remember from back in the day uh, I will say that I don't think they necessarily got the uh, acclaim that they probably deserve. There were a lot of deathcore bands that came out after Winds of Plague that I thought were significantly worse. Uh, so, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to celebrate uh, these guys tonight. There's definitely some bro in this, but it is a product of the times. The sound, the intensity, the riffs—it's all here. And while the band has some more hardcore dancing moments than others in general, the riffs, the speed, it's got the thrash feeling. It's got the energy. That's what I'm here for. I just get a little extra with the other stuff, and it's time for 2008's Decimate the Week. So I mean, let's decimate epic. them. <laughs> let's decimate them. I mean, this is... Uh, the cover says it all, right? I mean... You got a you got a samurai up there. He's got some gore on his swords. You've got a, a proto version of the unrecognizable band logo uh, up top. I mean, these guys were doing it before anybody was doing it, really. And uh, this is this is by far my favorite Winds of Plague album, uh, just because I like the keyboard usage. I like I like how over the top they are with it. Uh, may, some people might even say excessive. I'm not trying to do a backhanded compliment here. I promise. Uh, but I, I will say that like this record has a sense of melody that I think the other ones somewhat uh, flirt with, but don't realize it fully like they do on this record. Uh, this record is all about those good, those harmonized guitar leads, and uh, just they, they've got a lot of really cool gnarly noodling going on here. And um, it's not the most memorable thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, I've heard bands do things like this before. I can't confirm if they did it before Winds of Plague, but uh, I hear a little bit of like what you'd get from bands like Hope for the Dying uh, out of this. And um, there's another band called Vanguard, who I don't think anybody, I don't think ever actually went anywhere. 
they released a record called Eric and Ivor that reminds me a lot of this one, but uh, that one had like a story. Like this is this is the better record uh, out of the two, uh, just because it's a little bit more focused. I mean, it gets in and gets out at like 36 minutes, um, but this one is is decidedly more metal uh, than the band was going to be uh, later on in their career. And I think that this album in particular. Um, might be the truest realization of what the vision was, which was to have epic deathcore songs that had more substance to them than just the breakdown. Like this record has breakdowns on it, um, and I think sometimes they're they're a little strangely implemented in that, like every all the cool stuff that's going on at the same time will kind of drop out, and then they'll play their breakdown, and then they'll go in, you know back into the song. Um, so they they do get better at that uh, as they go on as a band. But uh, this first record, I think, is a really really great. Uh, a really great first start for them, and uh, I find it the most enjoyable because it's it's so fresh. There, there's that there's that potential in the band that you hear, and you can't wait to see how they're gonna how they're gonna do it the second time around. The attention to metal concepts is strong on this album. Yes, it's 2008 metal, and you have the definitive or at least what i would call the stereotypical deathcore sounding vocals almost mashed potato mouth but then there's keyboards and it starts to sound more like more like a classic metal album you put those things together that's something that was missing in 2008 clearly it wasn't missing because winds of plague was doing it but you're still going to get the over-the-top dirges in places so this might be the vision but it's also a bit random at times. I think that's what's expected when you're listening to this type of deathcore. You want it to be random, but you also don't want it to stop doing that awesomely epic sounding riff that built the song up to this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that was a problem with deathcore bands kind of back in the day and even a problem with deathcore bands now is the the songwriting isn't always there as far as, as being able to write parts that people are going to enjoy hearing and keep the momentum up. I think, I think there are, there are a lot of people out there that are like, yeah, let's let's just implement the break implement the breakdown as quickly as we can so that everybody gets dancing in the pit. But I'm the kind of guy that, and don't get me wrong, I haven't been in a pit in several years. <laughs> but uh, if I if I were in a pit, I would definitely want to keep the pace up and not so much just like the the, the slam of it. If if that's a good way to describe it, it's just the slam of it. Uh, but what I do like too is that, like, what what I think is unique is that these guys have a very metal kind of foundation, you know, with the guitar. You know, they got you know the lead guitar, the rhythm guitar, and they they and the keyboards, and they they create a sense of melody and epic song structure. Um, but then they're also not afraid to throw in their hardcore influences, where you know you'll you'll throw out into like a yelled almost gang vocal, and the the pace will pick up, and only that way the tough guy hardcore can. And uh, so I really, I really like hearing that element in it because it kind of grounds me. It pulls me. It sometimes pulls me a little bit out of the fantasy world of it all. But, uh, but I like it because I'm, I'm a fan of that meathead uh, beat down bro stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, the bro is very strong with this one. <laughs> 2009, the Great Stone War. All right, so we're back with uh, epic covers. Uh, that's for certain. Um, Great Stone War actually starts off uh, very interestingly with with like a spoken word passage. I like how this band has like a minute long intro uh, for each record to kind of set it up. Uh, and you jump into this one and you start noticing kind of off the bat that like it absolutely has all of the uh, 
staples that the first record had, but it is decidedly more deathcore. It's more in your face. It's a little bit more, you know, the breakdown and the hardcore and a little bit less epic fantasy. And that's not to say that that doesn't exist on this record, but it it's it's almost like they're just focusing on different aspects of their sound now. They're not doing anything really different than what they did before, but they're kind of just focusing on one era area uh, more so than the others. You get these power metal sounding intros, and in a way, that is a disappointment that the album doesn't deliver that type of epic, but it gives you the 2009 version of epic. So this band has been around now for seven years, rapidly releasing album number two. Hindsight tells us that the Deathcore thing is just not going to stick around forever, guys. So go right ahead and put it out. But this one embraces a little more of the grind. It almost sounds harsh in places when you're listening to it. And I don't mean Deathcore harsh, like the vocals are layered and there's so many extra background over the top screaming growls that you're expecting with Deathcore. This one almost sounds cassette tape harsh, almost like a classic heavy metal record or even black metal from the 90s where it has that abrasive quality to it, except you're listening to Deathcore. Yeah, I mean, it, they, they're definitely they're definitely making musical decisions that separates them from the rest of the pack. And as we go on in their discography, we're going to find that they don't do a whole lot, though, to differentiate themselves from themselves, <laughs> uh, which is that which is that double standard that, that all metalheads live by, you know, where, you know, don't change. But uh, I don't like that all your records sound the same. Right. Uh, we talked about that to ad nauseum on the uh, on the Black Dahlia murder episode and um, a great band. But, uh, you know, you only need to buy one record. Uh, and I don't think that Winds of Plague is that re repetitive uh, by any stretch. I think they just kind of, the first record was kind of flirting with the idea of being more deathcore, uh, but it almost seemed uh, tacked on in, on the last record. Whereas this record, they're, they're writing kind of more deathcore songs, but they are adding enough elements from like, you know, traditional death metal, from hardcore, from mellow death, metalcore. Um, and you've still got the keyboard. You've still got kind of that epic feeling. But I don't necessarily get as much of like a power metal fantasy sort of vibe off of this. Um, is the record good? Uh, absolutely. Uh, it is a, it is an absolutely killer record. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's the perfect length, sitting somewhere between 36 to 40 minutes. And um, I like that the songs don't overstay their welcome. And, you know, a lot of the times bands like this, they decide that they. Over, just seemingly overnight, they decide that they are a progressive uh, power metal act, and you start getting songs called like "The Journey Part One" <laughs> or, or, or you know, um, the the Liberation of Ivalice uh, Part Seventeen of the Voltsung Saga or something crazy like that. Uh, and I think because they probably started off as more of a hardcore band, I could be wrong about that. This is just my guess. Li listening to their albums. That they that they may have started off in kind of more of a, a metalcore, uh, hardcore type of direction, and I think that's part of the reason why the band is. Um, w I think that's part of the reason why the band is more grounded in kind of their traditional genre, um, and the the epic elements aren't necessarily masterfully woven into the sound. I think this is more of like, hey, we're a hardcore band, we're you know, or deathcore band, 
but we also really like keyboards, so we're going to throw in stuff that we think sounds cool. And I think that's fun because uh, it, it means that they're not up their own ass. This is one of the this is one of the few bands that we listen to that uh, has this level of like epic, like synthesizer driven uh, style music that isn't uh, completely just full of itself and thinking that they are the greatest band to ever grace the face of the earth. Uh, I don't think that they add finesse to deathcore, but I think that I think that the stuff that they do does sound cool, and it fits, and it's not shoved down my throat. You know, we don't have eighteen. You know, we don't we don't have like ten. Tra- we don't have eighteen tracks, but like nine of them are, you know, uh, piano instrumental passages. If I could describe the keyboards on this album, they remind me of Vampire Hunter D. The anime is supposed to be dark and gothic and give you that futuristic vampire vibe i know what i said so now you have what is effectively above average deathcore but we have to make it sound dark we have to make it sound gothic we have to give it that vibe that this isn't music that came from the top of the mountain this isn't music that came from the middle of the mosh pit this is music that was made somewhere in the bowels of a castle by someone who wasn't supposed to be writing deathcore but decided that's what we're going to do this week it just has that unique fantasy vibe so it's challenging to the ear at least for me because i go in and out of what is the vibe of this album am i supposed to be hearing fantasy elements or am i supposed to be hearing deathcore it's something that for me is unique to winds of plague and i really enjoyed it this week because It has some stereotypes in it, but it still gives and takes with other feelings that you're not expecting when you listen to this band. Yeah, for sure. And and so I like that. I like that kind of uh, weaving kind of in and out of of genres and and trying trying new things without completely just going off the map. Uh, And as we roll into Against the World, this is the part of the discography where I kind of start feeling like maybe... I kind of started feeling like maybe uh, the band should have experimented a little bit more. <laughs> 2011. So Against the World is a Winds of Plague album that essentially they don't deviate, I guess, from their all. tried and tr- yeah, from their tried and true formula. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say it. That that is just kind of typical of the genre uh, because at this point, you know, they're they're trying to break through. I don't remember Winds of Plague being like the biggest band in the world or, or anything like that. Uh, and they're not like a lot of the all the heavy bands that were coming out around this time, you know, in the 2010s. Uh, these guys were, um, they were, they were much heavier, I think, than some of the other metalcore bands were. And, you know, they don't have clean choruses. This is not like an 18 Visions or, or something like that. They don't have kind of that that hooky element i don't think that their stuff is hooky at all and i don't think that it's supposed to be and i it's how i prefer my deathcore i don't i don't want it to be you know like to the point where it's almost new metal you know looking at you and mirror looking at you and pending doom <laughs> you know and it's not that i don't love new metal but i'd rather just listen to like a new metal band do it right um but uh with winds of plague they are sticking to their they're dying on that hill not to be confused with the band a hill to die upon uh, but they are uh, th- they're gonna die on that hill they're gonna they're like no we have a really cool compelling sound and we're gonna give it to you over and over and over again until you get it 
this is the first time in the discography I thought, take the vocals out and this is your next gothic anime soundtrack. Everything about this you've heard in your favorite action RPG video game of the last 20 years. You've heard it on insert name of series that plays on Adult Swim late at night. It's cool. I'm not taking anything away from the musicianship or the songs or the riffs. I'm really enjoying it. But this is the first time the deathcore vocals are there because that's what the lead singer wanted to do, not because the band was writing a deathcore album. And that's a weird dichotomy. That's like saying, I know you're going to come in and do that thing, but we wrote something different this week. Somebody must have been listening to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra and said, we can do this gothic-sounding classical music, but then it's going to have deathcore vocals, so no one's expecting that. It's going to be great. No one is expecting that. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, unfortunately we were, but I I think that, like... (laughs) I'm no, trying to give it some credit. Slam. Dan's like, nope, saw it coming, guys. That's not to slam the band at all, because I think that, like, you know, not not to dip into my final thought, like, this early in the episode, but, like, I do feel like this is a band that we can't really make the same arguments about, you know, have, have kind of the same points that we always do about, like, well, you should have done this, or you should have done that, because, I mean, up to this point, Winds of Plague has released three albums that are... 100% rock solid. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm not like, oh, you know, bad playing here or they, you know, the lyrics were stupid or 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 uh or, or any of that. Like I think that what they do, they do very well. They're very tight with it. Um everything everything kind of makes sense, uh, you know. Uh they don't throw us for a loop. They don't do anything that's like super unexpected. And that's hard to talk about uh, kind of in this format because, you know, I can tell you all the records sound the same and then you're going to be like, oh, man, you guys just absolutely slammed Winds of Plague. Uh, That's not what we did here. Like, it's literally just that these guys have a really, really consistent sound that they're constantly trying to perfect and they're not trying to deviate away from it because, you know, I think I think anybody that's a a musical, uh, a musical person can relate to this. We like it. <laughs> so that's that's why we do it like that, because we like it. And so and, and I like it, too. Um, I, I like I like that. There, first of all, I like that there's not like 12 albums that sound like this. I like that there's only five, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, you know, I would say I would say with Against the World, I think, again, it's just one of those. Um, I don't see a lot of progression from album to album. I mean, I think production wise, they sound better and better on each release. Uh, but this this one right here. Um, it's a little bit more deathcore, a little bit less kind of like hardcore metalcore, uh, with some deathcore breakdowns thrown in there. And so overall, I think it's good. It's rock solid. Check it out. Um, but you know, as we go on, I'm sorry if, if this conversation seems to fall apart, but these guys are, um, very, very consistent. Is this one of those times where the flaw in deathcore shows its face? At the end of it all, there's only so much you can do with the concept of deathcore. Well, I don't know if I agree with that because you do, you know, I brought up Amur earlier and they they took it in a totally different direction, kind of kind of going into more of a new metal, you know, sort sort of way. Uh, there's other bands that um, basically started off as deathcore and then went on to become basically hard rock bands, uh, and that's being very generous. Some of them just went straight pop. You know, because they got so, so popular and then they were like, ah, I think I'm done, you know, with the breakdowns and with, you know, uh, all of this stuff that, that all the kids are listening to now. 
Winds of Plague exists kind of in this other realm where it's like, you know, they're they're kind of a band's band. They're on every every good hardcore tour. They're on every good metal show. They're just not the opener. They're not the headliner. And it's not because they're not top quality. It's just that, you know, when you would go to see a show like this, you might have forgotten that you saw Winds of Plague once three other bands have played after them. And that's not their fault. It's just that we live in a day and age now where, you know, people like to book tours where every band on the tour sounds the same. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's not their fault. Like, I think that I think that underrated is probably the word that I'm looking for here. I think Winds of Plague might be written off by other people as just another deathcore band. When in reality, they're actually one of the best that I've heard. Uh, they're just not like they're, they don't have a whole lot in the variation department, except they do like their songs are actually very diverse, but it's diverse for Winds of Plague. Sorry, that's all, <laughs> all I had to get out there. Resistance is futile. 2013. Kneel before resistance. Kneel. <laughs> Kneel. Uh, very different cover artwork on this one, and uh, that may lead you to believe that the sound is is different. It's not. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's this is the same Winds of Plague that you know and love, and uh, they're not going to over again. They're not going to overstay their welcome. They have the best album lengths I, I've experienced on this show so far. I think minus some of the grindcore bands, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, y- you know. I mean, if we get, if we get out of this episode at the same amount of time as a Winds of Plague album, I mean, we've done our job. Uh, but I think that uh, this one is, I feel, is heavier than what what we've experienced from them in the past. Um, the the breakdowns hit harder. Could just be a production thing. Uh, but these these songs are on the whole heavier. And I like the way like Left for Dead's probably my favorite song uh, on this album. That's a really good game. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, Left 4 Dead's my probably my favorite song on it, just because I, I like the breakdown. I like the little piano kind of piece in it, and um, I just like I like I like their like almost like thrash pace, um, hardcore um, sort of uh, sort of speed on, on that song. Um, they're really, really, really good at inserting kind of good vocal uh, melodies. Isn't the right word to use, but um, just good vocal pattern, good vocal structuring. Um, to kind of kind of go from those hardcore barks to those kind of deeper deathcore, errs, you know, and uh, you know, try spelling that for me. Errs. You Never mind. Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Say hello to the Undertaker's a banger. I like I like this one quite a bit. I and I don't like it as much as the first record, but it's definitely a solid second for me. The songs just hit for me better um and again it's one of those like they're so consistent that i cannot confirm nor deny whether it is superior or inferior uh to other releases from the band um it's just more winds of plague it's the new it's the new winds of plague album and if you like the old ones you're going to be stoked for it no matter how fast this band goes you can feel the pace of the song a little bit faster on this one and I think that's an improvement overall. But like Dan said, it's deathcore. It's brick walled in so many places. I can't tell you exactly why it feels different. It sounds like that deathcore album with some melodic keyboards used in places that Winds of Plague has been doing now for almost 10 years or a little over 10 years by the time this came out. 
So where does this one stand for me? This week, listening to five albums that were arguably solid, I would put this one up there with the initial release. So this might be the secret of this band in hindsight. This is one of the albums you need to listen to to get the full Winds of Plague experience. But don't mishear me. It's all good up to this point. We're not trying to lead you astray either by being like, all right, guys, we're going to get to that album. <laughs> uh, there, there isn't one. There really isn't one. I mean, again, you know, rock solid. And, and for all you people out there that, ex- that complain that the episodes are too short uh, or, you know, or for a band like this, um, I don't want to just talk just for the sake of talking. I want to be like Winds of Plague. I want to get in there. I want to get my point across and I want to get out. And, you know, sometimes that takes two hours and sometimes that takes 40 minutes. Um, but I can tell you that you really are not going to go wrong with this band. And I believe they went on a hiatus after, uh, after, uh, this record came out and, um, just kind of went away for a while, you know, whatever you want to call a hiatus. Um, it wasn't really even that long as far as I remember. Um, but I mean, they were basically gone, um, maybe just a couple of years. I know they, they toured, um, they toured between this record, I think, all the way up until like 2015 or so. Uh, that was that was kind of peak time to see Winds of Plague out on the road, and uh, they, you know, they 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 took a step back. They regrouped. They did the thing that they want to do, and um, you know, I think that that is awesome. Uh, so whenever we move on to their 2017 release, Blood of My Enemy. So uh, epic! Prob- it's gonna be a bloodbath in here, man. <laughs> yeah, it's probably my probably my favorite cover so far from the band. Uh, and I'm trying to I'm trying to think right now if this is the mask um, from the first album. No, it's not. Okay, it's a different it's a different mask. It does wasn't look sure, like a though. giant samurai epic mask, like they were trying to guard the entire civilization, or it could just be a close up. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but yeah. Uh, how does this record differ from the other Winds of Plague, Plague's album? I think that's the real challenge that we need to kind of overcome here. Um, it has an awesome opening track that is epic sounding. and So do the other ones. <laughs> uh, it has some seriously heavy metal style riffs. Uh, dude screams into a barrel underwater. Gets a nice sound to his voice while he's doing it. Um Sounds refreshing. The drumming on this one, it's almost like, yeah, yeah, it's all the same, man. I'm just going to say it. It's all the same. <laughs> uh, it is all the same, but it's a, it's a good same. Uh, this is this is the kind of thing that, that, that you know, metalhead elitist, this is all we actually really want is we, we hear a band, we hear a band and we're like, okay, uh, diehard metal fans usually aren't like, what else you got? I mean, maybe after a while they are. I don't know. I'm impossible to please. Uh, Unplaceable uh, metal fan, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I really, really, really like this record. Uh, it's the one that I listened to probably the most uh, for this because I was trying to just trying to find something that would be different and better. Um, and I think that the atmosphere on this record is a little bit more, a um, little bit more subtle. You know, you have songs like Snakeskin and Kings of Carnage that just kind of, kind of have a bit of a groove going to them. Like, it's a little bit different. I don't want to say that, like, it's the exact same. Um, it's definitely the exact same enough for somebody to say, yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, but I feel like I feel like they were kind of, you know, hitting hitting some grooves better, maybe trying to write catchier, slightly hookier riffs and sections. You have, you have kind of, like, choir parts and stuff kind of thrown in there uh, on either way you lose. 
Um, but for the most part, yeah, you're if you love Winds of Plague, you're gonna love Blood of My Enemy. Um, I would question, you know, I, I don't think that every band that we talk about on the show has to be innovative. Um, really, a lot of our opinions on this show are based 100% on how how these records made us feel uh, overall. You know, like what you know what what I took away from it, or what I, what I thought was strong about it. And um, while whereas Winds of Plague maybe doesn't have a super interesting musical arc, you know, um, I also think there is something to be said about bands like this that are the backbone of this kind of music. Whereas you know. Uh, sometimes I think people might think that we write off genres. Um, it's not that we write off genres. It's just that it's easy to look at a genre like deathcore and feel that there's not a lot of substance to it. But then you've got bands like Winds of Plague that there actually is substance to it. Um, but And they didn't have to be a prog band or a super techie band in order to achieve that. It sounds like if you go to this band's shows... You're gonna hear you're gonna hear a great set list coming from five different albums that all work together very well. Um, you're gonna get in the pit. You're gonna scream along to the mic. That microphone's going out into the audience. People are gonna jump up on stage and jump off the stage, and you're gonna have you're gonna have an amazing time. Do I get to throw um, elbows in this scenario? Yeah, you may. You may absolutely. Sweet. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, again, it's a it's kind of another home run for these guys. Um, they're not setting the world on fire by any means, but uh, you'd, you'd be remiss to at least not check them out. Or oh, you'd be remiss to, to check them out. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I said it backwards. I don't think they need to light the world on fire in 2017. I think there's just some core fans that were waiting for the newest album. It had been a few years at that point. They toured their asses off, and they gave you more of that epic-sounding deathcore that you wanted. This album works, but... Where does it stand in their overall discography? I would say it's just below the first record and Resistance. It's the ultimate sound of this band in some ways, but it also doesn't have the same intensity. Again, it's those little production choices. We're going to mix the vocals just a little bit hotter on this one than we do on the other albums. So overall, it's all a home run. The whole discography is enjoyable, and I want everyone to listen to Winds of Plague. Final thoughts on this band, Dan. Yeah, I mean, rock solid. I guess there's really no other way to put it. I know it's supposed to be wind, but it's it's rock, uh, not <laughs> rock music. My analogy's falling apart here. Uh, Winds of Plague is, is, is an amazingly solid band, I guess is, is, is what I have to say. Um, I think that they're one of the better deathcore bands that I've heard. And uh, I really enjoy their mix of epic with kind of that deathcore, hardcore uh, aesthetic. Um, I think that they make really, really good choices because he, I know I know we've ragged on like, oh yeah, the records they all sound the same, uh, but they also they provide something that a lot of bands are not able to do. They're one of the few bands that can replicate what made what made me like them in the first place. They're able to do that one thing. You know, we joke that you know some bands like, oh, I only want you to do that one thing. That, that's why I got into your band. That was the hook for me. Winds of Plague is going to have that on every single release. You're not going to pick up a Winds of Plague album after hearing one song and be disappointed on what, uh, in what you're hearing. Uh, so I'd say overall, uh, check them out, give them some support. They're um, one of my favorite kind of favorite bands we've talked about this year, uh, just because of they, they're rock solid. I never got to a point where I was like, okay, let me go ahead and suffer through this one. Uh, it was a, it was an easy listen. Winds of Plague will throw the wrench in the machine of Deathcore that I was looking for 
in the mid 2010s. It all sounded the same at some point. It all had that brick wall sound that still exists in modern metal today, but it could be enjoyable from time to time. Then Winds of Plague shows up and throws in some classic metal epicness that can only be described as they added keyboards and the dude knows how to play. For that, you will get something different. You'll also get some things that are the same, but you won't be able to focus in on what the formula is. They do what needs to happen on every song, and that is one of their best qualities. I want everyone to listen to this band. You're going to have a good time. Damn, what's your album of the week? Oh, hands down, it is uh, the heaviest album of all time by Bro Job. That is one of the heaviest records ever made. <laughs> It is. It's the, it's amazing. It's it's bro job. What else do you want me to say? I mean, it's uh they can they can leg press five hundred pounds with only one hand. Don't think about it. Just go with it. Just go with it. He says. After listening to Def Leppard a few weeks ago and catching up on some Emery for last week, I found these strange folk rock bluegrass blues bands that just do not fit into this podcast necessarily but one i'm gonna call out that is more of a story concept band than a we're gonna sing about the same stuff you've always heard the dead south they put out a record called good company so shout out to scott bowling this good album company. is amazing <laughs> very nice very nice take us out dft if you guys are watching or listening to this podcast and you would like to send us some band suggestions, there are a lot of ways that you can do that. You can always send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at discuss metal. And, uh, you know, make sure you're checking out uh, Discuss Metal Dan on YouTube, where if you're listening to the podcast and for some reason you would like to see our faces, uh, you can absolutely do that. There will be a link in the show notes for that. You can reach out to us on our uh, Discord server, which has been hopping lately. Let me tell you, uh, hard for me even to keep up half the time. But if you want to chat with us and give us uh, band suggestions, that's the place to do it. There will be a link in the show notes that will take you directly to our Discord server. And if you want to get some sweet discography discussion merch, you can go to our Teespring store. There will be a link to that in the show notes as well. And uh, so if you want to get a classic logo discography discussion t-shirt, now is the time to do it because we have been exploding with new logos lately. And uh, we want to get those on a t-shirt and on some socks and on some cell phone cases and anywhere else that you can slap the sweet discography discussion or discuss metal logo. Make sure you're checking out the Discuss Metal podcast where we do interviews with musicians. Those are supposed to come out every couple of weeks. And uh, so make sure to watch out for those here on YouTube. A lot of the time I will absolutely stream those live. And uh, make sure you're checking out Discuss Metal Gaming where myself and Discuss Metal Buddy are streaming games twice a week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. And on Fridays, you will get uh, an FBS podcast once a month. So be on the lookout for all that, guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time. And on that note, this has been episode 234 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. 
If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Hey, Joe, I need some money. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 